This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by the fans. You, that's right, patreon.com slash Blue Shirts Breakaway, where you can support us, go to our Discord, get our Patreon, uh, other benefit members, such as the NHL Disc, uh, NHL Insider, uh, chat, a bunch of cool stuff. Go do it, please. Love you. All right, today, on today's show, we have Drew Way, popular guest, a prospect analyst for Blue Shirts Breakaway. We talk about trades he wouldn't would make. We talk about the fourth line. We talk about how Morgan Barron looks like Superman. We talk about positions that Capococco and Laugh should be. A lot of fun stuff. It's a, actually a pretty fun episode between Greg and I. But we are recording before the Kings game because it is crazy. And we don't want to. We didn't want to start recording at two a.m. Fun times. All right, we love you all. Let's get to the show. Here's Mark Messier. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Bullshit Breaking Fans, welcome to another week of the Bullshit Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Now, now, I don't know where we are still. I mean, I'm sure in some way, shape, or form that... Let me. You know what? I'm going to word it this way, just so I don't get in any trouble. Uh, if you, I thought me getting fired over a billboard <laughs> is pretty stupid. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yes. I think two Los Angeles police officers getting fired... Because they went hunting for a Snorlax instead of responding to a robbery in progress. I actually respect the shit out of that. I, I think they had their priorities right. Let me let me pitch you one further. Today okay. was the first ever successful heart transplant in a human from a pig. How With s- a pig. How soon can we get Henrik Lundqvist back on the ice? Well, here's my question. Um, now, pork isn't kosher. It's not. If But, like... But if if I had no other hearts <laughs> in the world, it's not is kosher. It cool if I take a pig heart, I, I don't think, think it is. I don't know. I'm not. I don't make those rules. There's got to be someone you can talk some, to. We're gonna BSBOT this week. Just gonna be us talking to some rabbis. And we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get down to the bottom of this because I I'm not gonna Ryan. The only thoughts right. I had was just like, is this kosher? And I'm not even talking about the metaphorical kosher. I mean, is this literally, literally. kosher? Yeah, I don't know. Number one New York Rangers podcast here, Greg he and Ryan Mead are coming to you live. We are not recording after the Kings versus the Rangers. We can do a, a, a prediction reaction. Hey, the Rangers won this game, Greg. Uh, so, you know what? If the Rangers keep beating good teams and find a way to win in, in tough situations, what do you think about that? Well, on the Kings, a good team. I'm a little 50-50 on the Kings being a good team. Me too. Yeah, me too. But I'm just trying to, like, you know, I, they don't beat it. No, no team the Rangers beat is a good team. Remember that? I don't know if you remember that one. Right, 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 right. Nobody, yeah, nobody yeah. doesn't matter. Edmonton, not a good team. Not a we're good also, team. We're also uh, uh, just negative Nancy nerds. That's correct. So we can't really Sorry, boys. talk about anything. That guy's fucking weird. Yeah, I'm not even going to acknowledge it any more than that. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, That's fucking weird. That's fucking weird. Uh, on top of that, uh, oh, let's let's pretend they lost. Dude, you cannot do Jared Snorty. I mean, he looked like Hayek out there. I just don't understand why we're doing... You know what? This one is appropriate for if they do lose, but I'm going to do this rant straight up. doesn't matter. I just... After having to somehow defend Patrick Nemeth, and I didn't want to, I still don't think he's been as bad as some people are reacting to. At the same time, you're going to tell me that Niels Lundqvist and Zach Jones can't play together because they are redundant, but Patrick Nemeth and Jared fucking Tenorti can play together. And kudos to Tenorti for scoring. They aren't redundant. Kudos to him. But that doesn't mean 
Scoring your goals doesn't mean you're guaranteed to play again. Don't think that's don't think that's how that works. They they are redundant, Greg. In my eyes, um, Jared Nordy's here because Jared Gallant likes him. I think we've made that clear at this point. I just I can't believe we live in a we live in a we world. live in a world we live in a world, Ryan. Drink, drink, drink where wow. I just I. I, I don't I this isn't something that happens in other sports where I'm not like with baseball I, I'm I know I armchair manage often but not this often the NFL I don't understand how any coach does anything in the NFL though I did get Fig Vangio fired on Saturday and I'm proud of that and then the NBA I I actually don't know how to armchair coach with them but with 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 hockey. It just feels like it's not this hard to just not even do the right thing, just actively don't do the wrong thing. And I feel like hockey coaches, more often than not, just find themselves doing the wrong thing all the time. And it's remarkable. It's it's the wrong thing according to, you know, I, I, to be honest, it looks like the wrong thing no matter what with Sonority. I don't is there I don't is really there a Ranger it. fan even even the ones that say Lundquist isn't performing up to expectation? He's or not. Zach Jones had a rough game or like Zach Jones did. Is there even a reason? I can't believe I'm going to say this, and I fucking hate myself for it. Is there a reason Tenorti is playing over even Lieber Hayek? Yeah, he scored a goal. Yeah, that's the that's 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 the reason they scored a goal. And, he did, and, and he scored and, a goal that it was actually Perot who put it in his own net. And he yes, deflected it. Yes, I know. But and it, in in that game, the Rangers let up only fourteen shots, and he played in that game. Now I don't know why Nemeth would get automatically put back into the lineup in that case. You know, maybe we don't know what happened with Nemeth. We're not going. We've said this on OT. We will say it here again. We're not going to assume or. or uh, or make any assumptions of what happened with them with his personal reasons. That's his business, and uh, we're going to keep it that way. But it seems like he's just back, and he's going to get right back in here. So uh, maybe Niels gets in the lineup. Who knows? Uh, the lineups aren't announced for today. I will, so. say, I will say the 14 shots are misleading. I think chances in the game were just about 50-50. And you have to remember the Ducks hit a crossbar and a post. Also, the, so it, it, they actually beat the Rangers at 5v5 uh, during that game, which is unbelievable. But yeah, they were it's the New York Rangers. Right. I'm not surprised. Again, the New York Rangers were playing Jared Tenorti. I'm not surprised they got pushed in at five v five. There was a lot to like in that game, though, uh, a tremendous amount. Uh, the scorers we all predicted: Ryan Lindgren and Jared Tenorti, of course. Ryan Lindgren uh, potting two after you yep. and I discussed on an OT if we should trade Ryan Lindgren, Lindgren for Jacob Chick, uh, Chikrin. Very fun. Uh, rubbing mm. it right in our face. That didn't go over well. Uh, I like Ryan Lindgren a lot. He's a lovely player. He's perfect for the New York Rangers. Um, would I trade him for Jacob Trinrick or Chicken right now? Yeah, of course. No doubt about it. I love him, though. But it, 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 that that's not a slight on Ryan Lindgren. I don't know why people can't see that. I love Brandon Nimmo, but there are plenty of center fielders i trade Brandon Nimmo for. I like Brandon Smith, and I'm still upset they didn't sign him over Jer- or over Nemeth, to be honest with you. Or to Nordy, for that matter. Yes, both. I just, I I, I don't know. The, the Lindgren stuff, it, I feel like if you put any player in a in trade talks, people just assume it's because you hate that player and they can't do the mental math that it's not, you're not saying you hate Ryan Lindgren. I love Ryan Lindgren. You're I saying that there's a player better than Ryan Lindgren. And if it costs you Ryan Lindgren to get that better player, you're okay with doing that. Yeah. And it, it's not a knock on Lindgren. Lindgren isn't the best defenseman in the NHL. Therefore I can include Ryan Lindgren in trades in which I think the Rangers are upgrading over Lindgren. Now, there are plenty of players I wouldn't trade Lindgren for because I do think he's a maybe not upper echelon defenseman, but probably 
top 20%. There are very few left-handed defensemen that I'd rather have playing uh, first line minutes or first pair minutes than Ryan Lindgren. Very few. It just so happens that Jacob Chikrin's one of them. And if, if the Coyotes could take wanted Lindgren, required Lindgren in a trade just to package him off again, the Rangers are getting the best player in that trade. So I would do the trade. That's, that's just, I I don't, I don't know if it, I, I don't know if you and I are just like heartless, you know, plebs that can't emotionally attach ourselves to players the way some other fans do. If there are fans who love Ryan Lindgren and want to trade Ryan Lindgren for anything, that's fine. That's great. But you're no more right than I am about saying I would trade Lindgren for Chikrin. It's almost like there's nuance and subtleties to all of this. And it's a personal opinion. Weird. And all of that. Yeah. So if you want to trade Ryan Lindgren for Jacob Chikrin, that's great. You have a love for a player and your love is strong enough that it. it, I I love a player like that too. It's called Capo Capo. Yeah. I know know what it's like. that, That love bridges the gap between your feelings for a player and which player is actually better. And that's fine. But Jacob Chikrin's a better defenseman. That's not a knock on Ryan Lindgren to say that. That is all props to Chikrin. And if I can make that deal happen where including Lindgren allows me to keep other assets, yeah, sure, fine, I do it. I'm not actively, like, hoping the Rangers do it. At the same time, it's like, I'm okay if they do. Like, if the Mets traded Noah Syndergaard for Max Scherzer, I'm not going to come on this podcast and be like, oh, fuck. God damn it. Why? <laughs> Who did that? They kind of did. That's so dumb. So, I love Syndergaard. Bye, bye, bye. So I guess what, where I want to go from here, other than uh, let's just recap the, the last two games in under two sentences, Vegas absolutely destroyed uh, the New York Rangers. They, they, they were without – That wasn't e- fun. Nope. It, that was a very bad game. Uh, they were without Igor Shesterkin. They were without Panarin. Panarin is now back uh, for tonight's game versus the Kings. And then also important, – Important to say, I yes, we pile on him. Yes, he's a person, blah, blah, blah. But – this is a big butt, too. That was the worst game I've seen a Ranger play from Lieber Hayek this entire year. I know Lindgren technically has a lower game score than Lieber Hayek does this year. No, that was the worst game. That was the worst game I've seen a Ranger play all season long. It was He was out of position every shift. The, the Golden Knights were targeting him specifically on shift changes. They went right at him. And, and Zach Jones, by the way, um, didn't play... Did, didn't do didn't do quite as well either. But the yeah, neither did Greg McKegg. Somehow Greg McKegg actually had, um, like, according to what was it like, goal share? Yep, a worse game than Lieber Hayek. But Sinbin actually Hayek messaged me, was, who had been on this podcast before, and he goes, "Welcome to the Ryan Reeves experience." And my I didn't respond because I've just been so busy. But my immediate thought was Ryan Reeves wasn't even in the top four of terrible decisions the Rangers played tonight. Was <laughs> wasn't even on my list. I get that the I get that the that fourth line in that game played poorly all three of them, but Reeves. That's a, that's another funny thing I want to point out. People call us negative all the time, and all we do are we're, we've somehow become chart boys when you and I, I are on this to learn and on record saying <laughs> I don't care what Ryan Reeves' chart looks like. He fucking entertains me, and that's good enough. I love him. I don't care. There will never he doesn't play enough minutes for me to give a shit. It just, it, I enjoy the man. The team enjoys the man. He does things that are fun. I like that. I get that he's not actively good. I just don't care. If he plays eight minutes a night and entertains the shit out of me for those eight minutes, 
I'm good. And I'm the, in the, a good the place. team clearly responds to Ryan Reeves in every yes. single way. In the hallway when he releases Shesterkin, on the bench. Dude, when he stands up and overlooks his land like he's in the Lion King, the players all look at him. He's awesome. Galak can punch him in the face on the bench and he won't say anything. And that happened. Oh, Galant. I'm sorry. Got to get used to that. And uh, you know what You know what doesn't happen with Greg McKegg, Greg? All those things. All those things and more. None of that happens with him. So he, he doesn't well, get even, the pass. Even worse than that is McKegg occasionally gets penalty kill responses, responsibilities. Right. Nobody's putting Ryan Reeves out there on the penalty kill. No. Everybody knows what Ryan Reeves is here to do. No one's trying to give him extra credit assignments. Greg McKegg, as funny as the name is, it, it, it's worn off a little bit, and it's worn off significantly more now because I don't know if this is the natural transition to it. It is. I don't know what else Morgan Barron has to do. I really don't. It, it seems odd at this point. He has proven himself in the AHL in a way that um, Philip Heedle didn't. He's proven himself clearly at that level. To, brought himself to the NHL level. At the NHL level, has been um, – He's been fine. He's been Every fine. time he's played, he's been he's fine. fine. He's, he hasn't been a liability. Isn't that, isn't that all you want from Morgan Barron? Yeah. Well, I I don't think it's fair to bring up Heedle's name in the conversation fine. with Morgan Barron. Because he, Heedle's because, a first-round draft pick. It's totally different. Yeah. The, the expectations are so much different, and it's clear, and they should be. We should be expecting more from Philip Heedle. Our, our standards for grading Philip Heedle's performance should be harder to meet. All Morgan Barron has to do – is win a couple faceoffs, play solid, smart hockey for ten minutes at even strength, and just be the the grit that the Rangers thought they had to pay for already existed within this organization. I think that's part of part of what makes me frustrated sometimes with some of the moves by Chris Drury and others. It, it's the Rangers felt this need to go out there and get players with experience instead of just giving players their own experience and doing that while they're on their absolute cheapest contract. I'm not asking Morin Barron to play even 15 minutes a night. Not asking him to be a penalty killer. Not asking him to play third-line minutes. I just want him to be an average NHLer who is defensively responsible 10 minutes a night. And he has proven that he can do that. Oh, I think he's and I don't. I don't that. quite know why we're trying to find answers to questions we don't need to ask. And we don't, you know, to me, and I've gotten flamed over this in the past, and this is when people, you know, chart boy, et cetera, face-offs don't matter that much to me. And Morgan Barron went 7 of 8 face-offs. Uh, it, it's something the Rangers have never been able to do. And if Morgan Barron can win face-offs in the playoffs, you know, in those certain moments, that really matters. There are certain face-offs that really matter. In general, probably not. I, I'll, I'll say that I, I don't – not every face-off is created equal. Definitely I, not. I will, I will say that. There are game situations like, where you need to win a face-off. They're very yes. important. Yes, and if Morgan Barron is a defensively responsible center who could win faceoffs, and I feel comfortable starting him in defensive zone situations, that is valuable, and that faceoff skill is valuable. It's part of what the Rangers thought they were getting with Goodrow. Um, they are getting that with Goodrow. And that, I, there is there is value there. I mean, it's not six years worth of value, which is what we keep going back to, but. There are times in which I've been too negative to win on a faceoff. If I'm being honest, I think I have been just because of the six what? years. I think if he was signed for three years, I'd like him a lot more. I know that's like stupid, but it's true. I that's the thing. It's really not the money that gets me. It's not the money the, at the all. Money, <laughs> the money's not great. Don't get me wrong, but three point six million dollars doesn't keep me up at night. 
It's just the fact that the Rangers gave him for some reason almost a max contract. Yeah, you know, I know people like he's ridiculous. on pace for forty points for three point six million. That's really good. I was like, oh, we'll see if he gets forty points. Come on now, but uh, he's got about to beat beat his career total with the Rangers. I, listen, good for him. Goodrow's been good, but there's just something about him that I, I just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And I don't know what it is. I'm trying to be more fair with him. But and either way, Baron has value and has a role that this team maybe doesn't desperately need, but he's just clearly better than someone like Greg McKegg. I, I, I don't think he's bad. Like the thing that makes him more valuable than someone like Dryden Hunt is because we don't have faith in Dryden Hunt being able to win a face off because it's just, it's not his game. So it, it's, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't know what it is that this team is, or just coaching staff, I should say is so abrasive to just letting kids try. Yeah, I, I, I think I that's know. all. And I, I don't think it's this coaching staff. I think it's the entire NHL. With, uh, with I the exception of like Detroit right now, because they just. I think don't it's have an the option. entire. It's the entire NHL. If you're a team that is expected to perform well on a nightly basis, if you're like if you're the Senators or the Red Wings, or uh, hell even the Ducks, because the record is better than what we thought they would be, but they are just letting the kids run, and it, you know what? It's the kids that have led them to that record. It's like, hmm, wonder if there's a correlation to that that could be applied to other teams. It's almost teams that want to win on a nightly basis feel like they themselves have to be more veteran-led in order to be successful. It's just not the case. I'm not saying, I, I mean, shit, it's not the case with the New York Rangers when you consider that the Rangers' best player is a 23-year-old defenseman who's paired with a 23-year-old defenseman their th- fourth most important defenseman is 21. Two of their most important top nine wingers are under the age of 21. And it's just like sometimes you you just got to let talent win out. Every now and then, I, I, I understand that a veteran may know what to do or what he should be doing in situations that a younger, inexperienced player won't know what to do. Like there will be mistakes out of aggression that Niels Lundqvist or Zach Jones or Alexei Lafreniere make. Those things happen because they think they have, they do have the talent to do special things and they're expecting their talent to win the day. And I don't think, I don't know if any other sport coaches players to play differently than that. I can't think of it in baseball. I can't think of it in high, uh, it's basketball. Def- definitely not in soccer. They're, I can't think of it in soccer. I can't think of it in, uh, football it's just this not allowing talent to win the day it feels like a distinctly nhl thing and i think it's why you and i this isn't blaming the rangers right now because there is a lot of young talent i'm talking about the entire league yep like i'm talking i'm talking about how the lightning will point to pat maroon as one of the big reasons why they and feel not, like they are not, two-time Stanley Not Braden Point just absolutely being incredible since he was, like, yeah, drafted. It, it's, <laughs> but, like, the Lightning aren't that great of an example because when they brought in Coleman and Goodrow, they, they weren't quite what they are now. They were kind of those younger players that added something different to the lineup. And they, but were, like, and they were dirt cheap. But, like, look at, look at the Oilers. You had Caleb Jones, who is somewhat of an unproven defenseman, but was – trending in all the right directions and you felt the need to trade him for Duncan Keith because Keith has experience and is old. That's essentially why they, 
you can use more flowery language to describe why the Oilers felt the need to trade for Duncan Keith, but it was experience and age why they brought him in. They thought those things were enough to make that team more relevant. And I just, I don't understand why hockey teams just look at the ducks. I don't know why more people don't put the ducks on a pedestal. They, they didn't, allow Zegers to play on the wing last year. They sent him down to the A. Well, actually, like, I, want, I want, just real quick to interrupt you, I want to apologize to the Ducks because they were big time rumored in the Eichel uh, trade all season long, the entire offseason, and I poo-pooed them as like, I don't know why Eichel would go there. They're not going to be good for years. Well, guess what, Ryan? Uh, you were wrong. They're pretty good right but, now. Yeah, no, they're pretty good right now, but you also, the, the Ducks understood they have a lot of, I understood why the Ducks were in trade talks. It's the same reason why the Kings should have been in trade talks is because they're overflowing with young talent and you're not going to be able to do everything you want to do with that young talent. So if you can combine some of those assets into Jack Eichel, plus they had the third overall pick, you do it. But the reason why Jack Eichel isn't a duck is because they told him to go fuck themselves about Trevor Zegris, which was the right decision. It was the right decision. And it, it, that's well, the right decision for the ducks, I should say. Um, there are other teams that if they had a – like if the Golden Knights had a Zegris-like prospect or Zegris, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it his name because I'm taking a page out of your book. Who cares? Who cares? Trevor, the American, yeah, the guy with the, the funny YouTube the New Yorker. videos that he posts on Twitter. Yeah. Um, if, the, if the Golden Knights had him and not Peyton Krebs, I still think they make the trade. But that team is built different, and we're talking about someone like Jack Eichel. My problem is if you're worried you, – so you said on OT, and I pushed back a little bit, and I'll push back again tonight that Niels Lundqvist has underperformed in your eyes. Yep. He has still not feel, been... Still feel that way. Which is fine. But the, the point I was really trying to push back on you as, he might be underperforming, but he's still been fine. He hasn't been bad. He's been league average when you were expecting something to be better I, I than I will say, average. I need to point this out about Niels. It was absolutely hilarious uh, where he just got the puck... Uh, on the power play, I think it was like four times in a row, and tried to bury it four times in a row. That's fine. Wait, hold that's, on, hold that's on. his skill set. Went back to the bench, and Ryan Lindgren came in and just sniped it. I was like, what? <laughs> Ryan Lindgren just showing Niels Lundqvist how to do it. Unbelievable. I I, I love that. I love that Niels wants the puck at all times on the power play, and I love that Niels' first instinct on the power play is to shoot. Well, I think no other Rangers people... instinct is to shoot. So there you go. Yeah, I, I think. The only other person I can think of that has that same instinct, and I don't even think he has it to the same level Lundqvist does, especially when Panarin's in the lineup, is Zibanejad. I love that Lundqvist is thinking one thing. I'm going to get open, and I'm going to fire a piss missile at this goalie and pray he doesn't save it. Uh, yeah, Because it's going to hurt if he does. But w- m- the point I'm making here is he's been average, and you were expecting him to be more than average. But his average is still better then Nemeth and Tenorti and Hayek, and it, even to this point, Jones. There is no scenario in which the New York Rangers have six better defensemen than Niels Lundqvist. They don't even have five better defensemen than Niels Lundqvist. And this is, again, a team towards the top of the standings where every point is important. They just they have this urge, or they feel like by putting two veterans in on this bottom pair, they're making the team safer when all they're doing is making them more predictably worse, right? Like things, what I mean by that is things can go poorly when you're playing kids on the bottom pair because kids are learning on the job. 
but their best nights are going to be incredible, even if their worst nights are going to be possibly a version of what we saw with Jones and Hayek. Though, again, I think if Lundqvist was in that game, I just don't think that bottom pairing gets caved in as much as I don't did. think I, I do think Jones tried to overcompensate to play for Hayek, and I, but I'm not excusing Jones for what happened. No, but by taking Lundqvist and Jones out of the lineup, you're making that bottom pairing more predictable, but it's going to be predictably bad. Maybe not awful, maybe not putrid, but it's going to be below average. Like the variance that you are allowing yourself to have. The Rangers think that limiting the variance is good in the Rangers' mind, which is why Nemeth and Tenorti are in there. The problem is what they fail to see is that variance that they are limiting is firmly in the negative, where if you just played the kids, there will be negative nights, but they're going to be positive nights. And the more you play them, the more positive nights become likely, and it narrows the variance for the better on that pair. And I just, I really, I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this does happen in other sports, and maybe I'm just blind because this is mostly a hockey podcast that talks about horse racing, that talks about the Mets, that talks about police officers getting fired for, for chasing down Snorlaxes. Yeah, it's all, 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 tr- all possible. I get that. But I consider myself a pretty diverse sports fan, and I watch a lot of the other sports as well. And I just I, – I, I, I can't think of a scenario or an example in which this happens. And I – it, it, it's I'm not I'm not shitting on Gallant. I think Gallant thinks what he's doing Gallant. makes sense. And I understand. Uh, fuck him. All right. <laughs> Whatever his name is. If he wants me to pronounce his name correctly, that motherfucker comes on this podcast. Yes. And he can talk to me. Yes. But I like I get it. What his, his mindset isn't an incorrect mindset. When you're a really good team, you try to eliminate the question marks as much as possible. The problem is he's eliminating questions that now have negative answers as opposed to allowing the questions to exist with a very high chance that the answer is positive. And I think that's, that's, that's my problem for the most part. The last topic I'll I want to get to before we get to uh, five star questions. Well, is- I do want to, I want to say some, I do want to say a positive. Yeah. And I wonder if this is your last topic. It probably is. Go ahead. Has a, I know the Rangers got shit punched in by the Vegas, They did, but it was evident in that game. And it was incredibly evident against the ducks. Has that top line ever looked better? No, it looks real good. It looks and, great. And I, I still I, – I want to plant my flag on this. I still think Kako um, – well, I think he's finally finding his way with that first line, and I think they're actually passing him the puck because there's been a lot of times they just don't do that. It, it's uh, it's because think, he's not I putting himself in, in positions to, to receive it sometimes, but there are times where he, they just ignore him. It does happen. That I think more importantly than that, I think Kako has the confidence to know that he doesn't have to just keep feeding Kreider and Zibanejad. And he can create on his own. He's not – Kako isn't looking to move the puck as quickly as he was when he was put on that line originally. He's he's feeling himself now. And the more he holds on to the puck, it's drawing more defenders to him, which creates more openings for Zibanejad. When he created that first goal with Mika Zibanejad behind the net, it was like, man, Kako, when he when he gets going like this, he's just such a special player. Yeah, he's a, he's a black hole for defenders. He really is. Because defenders just get frustrated that he has the puck on his stick skill still. And it's creating openings for Kreider and Zibanejad. I honestly, I, I, I don't think they've looked better as a unit. I don't. I, I just. I, I know that you are a boy who wants Lafreniere up there. I do. But I would just allow Lafreniere to. Lafreniere's got something with Strom. I don't know what the fuck Ryan Strom, what fairy dust he sprinkles on these left wingers, but it's magic. <laughs> God bless Ryan Strom. 
He's fucking awesome. Like, I have nothing else to say. He just continues to prove everybody wrong. Not just me. Everybody. Constantly. And I give credit where credit is due. Gallant knows the answer to his top six right now, unless the Rangers go out there and trade for a right winger, is a, thir- is a second line that includes Alexei Lafreniere, even when Panarin is back. I'm happy the coach at least knows that answer. I like that he said I, I think about now, it every day. Yeah, I, I need I need him to now drop the nuts on the table and actually do it. Yep. It's one well, thing to say it. Talk is cheap. He'll be doing it from Zoom because he went into COVID protocol an hour after he spoke to the media. Um, fun times. So now when the Rangers when the Rangers win this game nine to one, yes. are we gonna call for Galant's firing to get Knobloch on the bench? <laughs> Again, we're Just recording saying, before we have to the stay consistent. Game. Uh, we do have to stay consistent. We, stay consistent. we, we do. Uh, I do. We do love Chris Knobloch. We are a Chris Knobloch podcast. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Have, welcome back, Chris. Uh, have fun at the wheel. I'm sure he'll. The post game with Chris will, will be as follows. I just went with whatever Galat said, and I was just there for the guys. Nice. Thanks, Chris. I just. I still love when he said that stuff about Quinn. Everyone was like, "See, fire Quinn. Doesn't <laughs> fucking know anything." Uh, good times. Uh, for some five stars, and then we'll get to Drew. Yeah. Good times. Uh, this is from was John. that was that the last point you wanted to make? Because you said you wanted I, to make. A I last do. Point. I do want to. That was part of it, but I do want to just give a quick shout out to Tim Gettinger and uh, and that fourth line in that game. They looked awesome. Well, again, I I've, I said this on OT, and I'll 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 say it again here. It, the Rangers went out to go acquire size and grit, and they've had Tim Gettinger for three years. Tim Gettinger quote uh, this week was: "Sometimes I just like to get really tall and stand in front of the net because I'm a big guy." Like, yeah, he's buddy. fucking 6'3". <laughs> things happen. Oh, no, 6'6". Six, six. He's yeah, a he's fucking huge. unit. He's huge. Yeah. So, anyway. Look the units. Get get healthy Julian Gauthier, my guy. Yeah, another uh, COVID. Uh, millions and millions of COVID protocols. So, uh, it's going around the league. I don't know if you heard about it. All right. So this is, I'm, I don't know about you. Completely numb to it now. I, I do not react when I see someone's in protocol. I know. I used to be like, oh, no, this is great. And now I'm like, oh, wow, this is normalized. This is where I'm at. Cool. Love to normalize. Okay. Um. This is from Willy Willy Willy. If you want to leave a five-star question, go to our Patreon. Leave a five-star question in the five-star question channel. That's that simple. And a Discord. Willy Willy, will you both be crying when they raise Henrik's number at MSG? Because I will. I think a lot of people will. I'm not sure Greg and I will cry, but we will be emotional. Um, when the number goes in the rafters, I didn't cry for Piazza. I, it's much more, to me, the emotional night is the last game. When you know, like, this person will not be in your life the same way ever again. We went to like, Henrik's David last Wright's MSG last game. game somehow. Yeah, David David Wright's last Met game was a lot. Um, I still hold a grudge to this day about my parents not allowing me to skip SAT prep course to see Piazza's last game. Like, the, the to me, it's the last game. Seeing the number go up, it's a nice moment. It's well-earned. I respect it and I love it and I'm very excited to be in the building for it. But no, I don't to, to me the waterworks come when you're when you're having that moment during their final time on the field or the ice or the court and you're like, shit, I will never feel this way about this player again. And that's like the finality for that is what what hits me the most. I'll cry when they put Adam Fox's uh, number up there. Um, this one's from John B. Uh, Strom is clearly an important piece. Pretty much, I'm going to sum up his question here. He says, would you uh, would you consider moving Truba to keep Ryan Strom? Uh, pretty much because make the salaries work and we have Lundqvist and Schneider in 
in those positions still, on the right wing. You still have to wait. We, we're always twenty-four. I just, I, I think people always just try to. I don't know why Truba's always the guy they want to move. I think it's, it's again, it's another emotional attachment. Kreider's the answer. Kreider will always be the answer. Always. Kreider, he's just Kreider's not as important to this team long term as Jacob as the Rangers need Jacob Truba to be. Agreed. Um, this is from Jack Grogan twenty five. What's your ideal Rangers lineup right now? As for possible right wings rentals, who else besides Pavelski has caught your eye? Uh, Riley, he mentions uh, he mentions Riley Smith. I mean, we've been talking about Riley Smith for like six months. Now, yeah, right? he mentioned he mentioned Riley Smith and Ricard Raquel. And again, I, I I need to emphasize this: we don't talk about guys who are on teams that we don't think are going to be selling. So it's nice to think of Raquel possibly being available, but the Ducks are winning. And there's no sign of the Ducks slowing down. So the Ducks aren't going to trade him. And with Smith, Vegas is only going to trade Riley Smith when they financially have to. And with Pacioretty getting wrist surgery, he's likely out until the playoffs. They don't have to trade Riley Smith this year. They can just walk that to the finish line, even when Eichel comes back. So the, we don't talk a lot about those guys because we know we don't see them as viable options. And I, I think I think it's important to reinforce that point. Like, you hear us talk a lot about guys like Pavelski and Kessel and other guys on second division teams because those guys we know will be available. Those are actual targets teams will have their eyes on. With Smith, you're hoping that you're essentially assuming Pacioretty comes back early. I can't assume that. And with Raquel, you're assuming the Ducks fall out of the playoff race. I have no – there's no evidence to say the Ducks aren't for real. They're super young. They're going to get Gibson back off the COVID list. They're only going to get better. That team's not going to want to trade a veteran right now. They're good. Agreed. Uh, this is a question for Greg from Paranoid Android. Can we still call the NHL the dumbest league when there's another league where Brian Flores gets fired and Joe Judge keeps his job? I want to just apologize to Giants fans before you answer. I'm, a, I'm sorry, Giants fans. Go on, Greg. <laughs> um, first of all, yes, because in the NFL, it is clear that Joe Judge is the exception and not the rule. Imagine being Whereas, so bad at your job and then asking for more responsibility. Like, I want to help get the GM. It's it's ballsy. It's, I fucking respect it's it. So it it's venial. It's venial level narcissism, and I fucking the Giants. I actually respect. I don't that even move. care about the NFL anymore. This is the year I've been the most unplugged. But I follow some Giants fans, uh, notably Ethan and some others. And uh, he's unhinged. Oh, I, how could he not be? But I love it. I I said this. I said this on Twitter. Do you know how freeing it is to know on a nightly basis? We just spent forty five minutes or however long griping about lineup decisions that Gerard Gallant makes on a nightly basis. But do you know how great it is where if a fan comes to us bitching and moaning about Gallant or Buck Showalter or Tom Thibodeau, and we can go, yeah, true, but he's not Joe Judge. And the fan just goes, true, true. and agrees with you, and the conversation's the over. The story's automatically over. Gallant, the best like, of all. Of them, it's like, way. you're right. You're absolutely right. It could be worse. Yep. That's a very good point. Yep. Touche. I have nothing to say. That's very freeing. Now, I'll say this about the Dolphins. I The more you think about Brian Flores' firing – the more it actually makes sense. They started one and seven, which is unforgivable. Like, yes, they went on a run where they won seven in a row, but they started one and seven in a pretty evenly competitive AFC East. And if Flores was the guy on a constant basis saying, we need Deshaun Watson and we need to get rid of Tua Tagovailoa, yeah, fire the guy. Like, if, if you invested all those assets in a, in a quarterback and your coach is actively trying to recruit a different quarterback, I think that's fireable. The funniest part about that to me, though, 
is their owner is a big Michigan guy, and he refuses to hire Jim Harbaugh because he doesn't want to make Michigan worse. That's amazing. Is that That's real? fucking hilarious. Is that true? <laughs> it's true. He will not hire Jim Harbaugh because he refuses to make his alumni worse. He doesn't want to make Michigan a worse football team, so he will not actively make the team he owns better that is incredible why aren't we talking about that and only that that mindset is nuts imagine it's just like i i i own like steve cohen owns the mets and won't hire the smartest human being away from his company because well you know i have that too and i don't want to fuck that up that dude doesn't own Michigan. No, that's take the that, fucking that coach. Example you actually, the best coach. That, that example doesn't work because he does like you said he doesn't own Michigan. <laughs> it's yeah. just his school. He likes, Imagine, he, I just, he likes them. He literally the article today is I am not hiring Jim Harbaugh. I'm not taking him away from Michigan. Now he's just gonna go to fucking like Denver and get Aaron Rodgers, and you're not gonna get your coach and your alma mater's gonna be without a coach too. It's it's a mindset that is just you can't fucking make it up. Insane. And if I could make it up, I'm not smart enough to no, make it up. No, definitely not. I know that. Uh, this is final question from Greg Cabet now, rest in peace wallet. Uh, how much is Greg betting that Elias and Brendan score versus the Rangers tonight? If it was Elias isn't in the lineup, but Brendan Lemieux scoring is pretty much a lock. Probably already happened. I don't, I, here's the thing. I'm not putting money on Lemieux. If he scores, good for him. Like, Brett Howden Brett is funny. That was a lock. And by the way, he did it again. <laughs> yeah, against Hayek. He undressed Lieber Hayek. Yeah, good. Uh, you know what? Good for Brett Howden. He's he's a man rock. Yeah, I don't know. Lemieux. I don't know. He just he 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 looks like he smells. You know what I mean? I do. I do know what you mean. All right, let's uh let's go get to our interview with Drew Way. We're gonna talk about untouchable prospects and uh, some different trades and some other other stuff going on. So let's go over there. Trans. Oh, but first a word from our sponsor, Promo Code Bushers. Transition, folks. We've made it. DraftKings Sportsbook is officially. Live in New York State with mobile sports betting. And it's just in time for NFL playoff season. Right now, you can place a bet from anywhere in New York with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. To add to the excitement, though, DraftKings is giving new customers a special offer you're not going to want to miss. Bet just $5. Five. One, two, three, four, five. On any playoff game. And win 280 in free bets if your team gets the win. All New York customers can also go in on DraftKings Hammer the Over promotion for every $5,000 bet who take the over Saturday night game uh, this coming Saturday in the playoffs. The point total will go down by half a point. And DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. I know this because I've won a couple and I've already withdrawn. Anyways, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code BLUESHIRTS and get 56 to 1 odds on any team this weekend in the NFL playoffs. Just bet $5 and you win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code BLUESHIRTS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full details. You must be 21 or older and be physically present in New York, gambling problem, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. Nice. Hey, we're back with our first and only guest of the day. We have Drew Way of, uh, of Bush Trickway, I guess. Welcome back, Drew. Talking about prospects with you. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, guys. How are you both doing? Yes. Anyway. Um... <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would well, say I'm the only person... Is... Go ahead, Greg. 
I was just going to say the only uh, it, it's fitting that Drew comes on after I do an ad read for DraftKings because the only person who slings that promo code more than me is Drew. Hey, credit to Emma. Credit to Emma. Emma, Emma did God's work. <laughs> I love Emma. She is the best. Maybe guess next week. Who knows? Um, I don't know if we haven't filled. Oh, yet. that's right, Emma. Yeah, I saw that she tweeted that out. She, she was like, got, "I'm like, betting now." Promo code blue shirts. I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, she's got like a hundred thousand people that follow her. That was, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, this thanks, is Emma. this is a big this is a big Emma podcast. We we stand her. <sighs> the only person in the world that I actually feel bad for the Giants keeping Joe Judge uh, is Emma. That's it. She's the only one. God bless her for dealing with that. Uh, so I, uh, well, what I, was say- what I was saying was, so just as before we re- started recording this, Ryan informed me that Alexi Lafreniere's agent apparently follows me on Twitter. Thank so I've been guys. spending the last five minutes trying to find it. And uh, yeah, no, you're right. And I was not following her back. So now I'm the asshole. I so you, I just dude. rectified that. Got- Doesn't follow me. It's all right. <laughs> Doesn't follow me for probably good reasons. Um, <laughs> anywho, I want to start with a, kind of a tough question. And uh, I'll see. I, I want to pick your brain, Drew. Who would you consider? Sure. This was a big topic over the summer. I'm sure you'll remember it. Who would you consider right now a New York Rangers untouchable player? Untouchable, like so I can talk anyone on the current roster. Or are you specifically just talking prospects? I would, anyway. I would specifically, I would specifically say the children, twenty-three and under. I... Let's start with we'll, okay. we can cross off Adam Fox. Let's go. Let's stop there. Okay. Well, I would, I would also cross off. I, I would cross off Kako and Lafreniere, but I would say like Lundqvist is still considered a child. All right. So my overriding principle on this stuff is there's just no such thing as someone that's there's no such thing as someone that is untouchable. But the question is, like, realistically speaking, right? I mean, if Edmonton hit us up, it was like, yeah, we'll give you McDavid for Fox. Okay, See cool. You, I'll make that deal. Fox is no longer untouchable, you know, but in terms of what's realistic to happen, like, I mean, Lafreniere and Kako, are they untouchable? I mean, again, if you got absolutely blown away, anyone could be traded, but I'd for all intents and purposes, well, yeah. Like I'm not trading them right now. You're right. How about how, um, how about this? How about this angle, Drew? Because this is the angle I wanted to take before Ryan uh, fucking jumped the shark immediately. Classic Love sharks. So how about how about I'll name a couple guys, and you yeah, tell you me the highest level prospect player slash asset you're comfortable trading. Fair. So for Phil Kessel, what's the highest level prospect you are parting ways with for just Phil Kessel? Not very high, just because I don't think Phil Kessel really helps with what the Rangers want need right now. Like I'm pretty, like I get it. Like Phil Kessel scores goals, and the Rangers do need a little bit of goal scoring help. But it's just we really need to just above all do better at shot generation and possession and and chance generation at five v five. And Kessel doesn't really do that. He's a finisher, but he's not really a generator at this point in his career. So I don't really view him as someone that fits what the Rangers need. So because of this, like, hey, listen, like if we could get him for like a third round pick or we could get him for like a mid-tier prospect, like a guy like, a, you know, like a Levi Altonin or like a Carl Henriksen or something like that, like the guys on like the third or fourth tier of our prospects. Then yeah, sure. But I wouldn't give up anything of significance for Phil Kessel at this stage in the game. All right. Jacob Chikrin. Yeah, I mean, Chikrin, there's no such thing as an untouchable for him. Like, the Rangers do not currently have a true blue-chip prospect in my mind. We have a ton of very, very good prospects. The Rangers' prospect pipeline is deep in terms of guys that should become NHLers and contributors for a long time. But I don't believe we have a single 
quote unquote blue chip prospect, like elite prospect right now. So yeah, anyone could be on the table for Chitrin. So, just to follow up there, Drew. So when you say blue chip and uh, sort of elite prospect, would you consider, I don't know, let's say last spring, would you consider Niels Lundqvist a blue chipper at that point? Or was he still on the free? <sighs> I would have considered him a blue chipper at that point, but last spring, you got to remember, like, Leo's Lundqvist is literally setting the SHL on fire, breaking all sorts of records for a defenseman his age over in one of the best adult leagues in the world. Right. Um, right. But, yeah, on the low end of that, though, like, to me, when I say, like, blue chip or elite prospect, I'm talking, like, the top 10 or 15 prospects in the entire So you're talking, you know, like, Byfield, and you're not talking Raymond, yeah, obviously, yeah. Raymond graduated, and... Right, but those are the kinds of guys. Like Lafreniere and Kako when they were drafted, those kind of guys, yeah. You know, Braden Schneider, very, very good prospect. Probably our best prospect right now that isn't on the team, but I wouldn't call him a you know, bona fide blue-chip prospect. So just... you're, putting, you're putting Schneider above Othman. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, mainly just because he's so much closer to being ready. Like, Othman I love, and, like, when we did our prospect rankings in the summer, I was the highest among me, Rich, and George. I had Othman as our fifth highest-ranked prospect, and he's been lighting the world on fire this year. Um, but, you know, Schneider still, he's so close to NHL ready, and, like, you can see exactly what he'll be. Othman probably has a higher ceiling, but, yeah, I wouldn't uh, – I'd probably say Schneider is one. Okay, let's let's go San Jose Sharks version of this. Let's start with Hurdle, since it's impossible to do these kind of experiments without talking about what it would take to get Tomas Hurdle. Yeah, Hurdle's another one where, again, we don't have a single prospect. I would say, no, he's untouchable and deal for Hurdle. Even if we're talking just a rental, Hurdle is the kind of guy, he's a true difference maker. He can provide everything the Rangers need. He's a good two-way center. He's dynamic offensively. He's very strong defensively, way better than people give him credit for. He's the kind of guy that, you know, right now my view on the Rangers are they're not a legit cup contender, but they're, you know, that that young skill team that no real contender wants to play in the playoffs just because they're the kind of team that could really upset someone. But you add a hurdle to the mix, and now you're really getting close to talking about a legit cup contender. And I, I just want to – I'm. This will be the last time I do this because if it applies here, it'll apply for just about everybody else. But you are including Othman in a pure rental trade because I've been led to understand that when I express this opinion, I am expressing an unpopular hot take saying I would trade Othman for a pure rental, knowing I can't keep Hurdle beyond this season. I'm still cool trading Othman, but it sounds like you're more or less the same as I am. Yeah, I mean, again, I love Othman. I was one of the few out there telling people to calm down when he drafted him, saying this was a good pick, this kid is great. Um, but he's not, again, he's not, a. you can't guarantee that he's going to be a, some, a top-line winger at the NHL level. He's very good. I like him a lot. He has a fantastic shot. He's gritty. He plays the game the way that the Rangers want a player to play. He fills a lot of the needs of exactly what we would need in that kind of winger right now. But he's still at least two years away, and so much can happen in those two years. And again, he's not that elite blue chip prospect. He's probably like that second tier, the, you know, hey, he's definitely probably a top six winger, but, you know, is he a future all star or something? Probably not. And again, Tomas Hurdle is fantastic. He is, you know, the, the bell of the ball in terms of the legitimate rental options, and he's the one rental option that at least I'm aware of at this point that I would part ways with a uh, Braden Schneider or Braden Offman for Joe Pavelski. You're not parting ways with either of those guys. No, I mean, I like Pavelski, but he's the next tier down. Um, 
uh, you know, for Pavelski, I would include like a Brett Berard, who I love. Like Brett Berard is a really, really good prospect that does not get nearly enough attention. Um, a Morgan Barron, who I know we all love. I'd have no problem, you know, parting ways with a him for Joe Pavelski. But Pavelski is kind of the next tier down where I'm not including my top, top prospects. And in this case, that's, you know, Schneider, that's Zach Jones, and that's, um, you know, Brendan Offman. The Rangers have been rumored to be trading Alexander Georgiev for years, literally years. Yeah. Uh, I think Arthur Stable the, the last two weeks said the Rangers have gotten close to trading him. Then the Igor injury happens. What would you? Goalies are so weird. What would you expect to be a fair yeah. return currently for Georgiev if they do end up doing it? Is it just a second round pick? Is that it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, again, that's a goalie, that's a good return too, right? Yeah, goalies typically don't get first-round picks back at the trade deadline unless they're starters. And I get it, Georgiev's been better of late, but he's not a starter. Georgiev is, at best, you know, the the platoon starter, the 1B type. He's not the kind of goalie that's going to fetch a first-round pick. And, like, people think, well, what about Edmonton? Edmonton's come out. Ken Holland came out publicly recently. He's like, I'm not trading my first-round pick unless we get a lot better. I'm obviously kind of hyperbolizing what he said and paraphrasing. But, you know, Elliot Friedman today, I was listening to his podcast, and he said Ken Holland made it known Edmonton's first-round pick is no longer on the table, given where they are. So you're not getting a first-round pick for Georgiev. Um, you know, you could probably get a second, or you can probably get, like, that Brett Berard-type prospect, that, like, nice, solid, he'll be an NHLer, has got some upside, but isn't, you know, going to be lighting the world on fire for you to get. Yeah, I just – oh, sorry, Greg, go on. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm still trying to think of ways to really – articulate this point i i guess i'll say in the vein of georgiev but kind of going back to rentals do you think the conversation surrounding trading futures for rentals is essentially jump the shark a little bit like are people becoming have people become too connected to assets prospects draft picks that have a very high variance of potentially becoming good or potentially never seeing the light of day. And they're just, it's the, the allure of the future has taken our ability out of just being like, Oh wait, we're really good this year. And we have a chance to get better and we could possibly win now, which is the point of everything. Have we, have we just like lost track of where we are in terms of sports fandom when talking about rental trades? Yeah. Um. So what I would say is like, it, yes and no. And so by that, I mean, I think what you, everything you said is true, but I don't think that's unique to us in this situation. I think that's just inherent in fandom. Like fans always overrate their prospects in all sports. In basketball, I mean, Christ, like Knicks fans still think quickly is like still some like bona fide starting point. Guard I love the, the Knicks fans that think because, that he's like De'Aaron Fox. Like he's just like yeah, De'Aaron like, Fox. Like is he? <laughs> and it's. It's just, it's always like that new shiny toy thing where it's, yeah, fans always, always, always overrate their own prospects. Um, and so I think it's more of that than anything else going on. And, and but yeah, like if Ranger fans and all hockey fans and all fans of all sports are overrating their prospects and they tend to think of things like, well, you know, why would I push the chips in for one year when we could potentially be great for five years? And I'd caution you know, that thinking a little bit just because obviously like shit happens, things can change on the dime. If all of a sudden, you know, 
God forbid, I'm not going to even say names. I don't want to jinx anyone, but one of our key players goes down with some terrible like Achilles injuries or something that could be career threatening. Like that's called Mark Stone entire... getting hit in the eye. There it is. It's... Uh, yeah. And it's the mystery or... box of the boat. That Right. That, but it's also what it is too, is in particular to the Rangers is like, and you see this in the NFL, like in the NFL, when you have a quarterback that's on the rookie deal still, like you need to kind of, push your chips in earlier than fans usually would like because you're not going to have this like this opportunity again and in the nfl the cap's fake but that's still like a huge like there's nothing more valuable in the nfl than having a quarterback on his rookie deal or his entry deal whatever they call it there and, and similarly like we're in a position right now where a lot of our most important players are still either on like their entry-level deals or their like rfa deals and have yet to hit like that ufa huge payday and so I think like the long-term window is shorter than people think, not because our players aren't as good as people think, but just because of the nature of the cap and the way those finances work. Oh, of course. I mean, Capococco and Lafreniere have to get paid uh, sooner than later. Capo, like next year, I think he's going to get a bridge deal um, somewhere around. Like- yeah, he'll probably get a bridge too, but based on what all the people are saying. But it's, the point is, is to answer Greg's question is, is I'm not like, hey, I'm just going to push the chips in for the sake of pushing the chips in. But certainly, like, if you can get a hurdle or someone who legitimately can can make a true impact in your top six at 5v5 and across different situations, then, yeah, I'm totally fine. And it's not even mortgaging the future because, again, we don't have any of those prospects that are like having this guy will change the course of your future. There's a lot of guys that we have that are good and that can probably be impacts for the Rangers or at least be a good trade chip for the Rangers in the future. Um, Like a player like Ryder Korzak another guy that I love that we just took this year who is really doing well of late and I think is um, a much better prospect than most people give him credit for. But again, like you, you trade that kind of guy every day for even a rental like Tomas Hurdle. Because, again, I don't think we're cup contenders now, but if all of a sudden you're telling me our top three centers are Zibanejad, Hurdle, Strom, and now we can do a lot more things on the wing and perhaps fill in the top six on the wings better, and then everything well, just falls into Hedl place better. Goes to right there wing, you go. Who, he's been struggling right. in the center for quite and, a while now. And one thing I think people, that goes like underrated, too, is when, like, when people are talking about defense and defensive issues, like people don't talk about the forward's role in that enough. Like, it is re- in hockey, like defense really is a team structure. And it is really, if you want to have a good defense, you need to have forwards that are good at defense too. You can't just simply look at your defensive pairings. I can't believe this, like, but this Ryan Strom has been so good is. at this year. <laughs> right. And and a player like Hurdle can really, really make up for some of the shortcomings you have on defense. And yeah, Fox is unbelievable. And, you know, we're excited about how, you know, Keandre Miller is coming along and Truba has looked good and has beaten the crap out of everyone. And Ryan Lingren, of course, is amazing and a fan favorite. And yes, you totally trade him for Charlie McAvoy and people who said no on that polar fucking idiots. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> But it's, you know, oh, a, having a player it. like Hurdle makes your defense better, too. Yeah, big yeah, I, But also, to me, it's like, isn't part of this also that the Rangers, it sounds weird to say, but the Rangers prospect pool is never going to look better because there isn't really a prospect having an outright terrible year, and that can just simply change at any given time. It, yes, the, every player is one year older, one year closer to making an impact one year better, but there's also just like, I think like people forget that there are just times where prospects stop improving and you're essentially betting 
that if you want to move one, this is the highest apex their value will ever be. And you'll be able to get the most bang out of that buck. Because there's a chance – I'm not rooting for um, Brandon, Braden Schneider to fall off a cliff. And I'm pretty sure he's going to have an NHL career. But there still remains a possibility that it doesn't happen. And I think people just lose sight of that sometimes. In that same vein, Greg, can I – you know, one of the players on the roster uh, other than Leo's Lundqvist I think that can be – can be had by other teams that I don't think is untouchable at all is, is Philip Heedle. And that's because uh, the, the play has sort of been lackluster. Maybe the Rangers want to look another direction. Maybe they want to bring him to wing and use that, that sort of um, that's something to spark him in his play moving forward. But can you see the shine kind of falling off of him? Like this is his last, he's been in the league for a couple of years. Now the prospect status only stays so long. The young, the young mystery box of Philip Heedle only stays. Maybe that's one of the reasons that they could look to move him this year. Yeah, and what I'll say with the shine coming off players is a, is obviously a true thing. Like, you look at Neil Lundqvist. Like, I'm sorry, he is still every bit the caliber of prospect he was a couple of months ago before he cracked the NHL. Fans far too often do this thing where a player can dominate in the lower levels and they love him, and then if they disappoint at the upper levels a little bit, they, like, all of a sudden the shine's completely off him. Like, that's <coughs> the way right. it works. <coughs> right. so well, I didn't, I didn't well, say I had bad things about Neil Lundqvist. It was fine. No, hold on. The biggest example is... Capo uh, Caco versus Peyton Krebs. You had these these fucking idiots on Twitter with all the Eichel stuff saying that, oh, no, Peyton Krebs is a better asset than Kako. It's like Kako was in the NHL, proven to be a, a contributing player, getting better every year, but somehow he's not as good as a kid who just dominated in the juniors and then admittedly really struggled at the NHL level, but because he didn't give it enough exposure, like the shine was still on him. It's ridiculous the way people do that. Nils Lundqvist is still a fantastic high upside young defenseman you just it takes a little while to get used to the ice over here it takes a lot of while to go from his coach over in Sweden who is known for being more innovative and letting his players kind of play and especially from the back end as his defensive players uh, have a heavy role in transition and offense to you know Gerard Gallant who you know I understand I, I like him he's doing great this year but his whole career has been pretty notorious for not being the best with young players um and he's also notorious stub notoriously stubborn i mean one of the big reasons why he was fired in both of his jobs is because in essence he told his bosses to fuck off when he <laughs> they wanted him to do stuff that he didn't want him to do and so, yeah that's you know, not gonna happen Lundquist... this time around i mean he's not getting fired yeah oh no no of course not but my, my point is is like the rant that went on there is the point is, like, like, I think people really underestimate how hard it is for, you know, a 22-year-old Swedish kid to move over to New York, deal with a completely different ice surface, a completely different structure, a completely different coach, and a completely different set of expectations, and then all of a sudden continue to shine. Sure, you have an example here and there, like a Lucas Raymond that can do it, um, but more often than not, it takes like a year or so. It's also and different really for Raymond because he gets to be the guy, Drew. Like, he's the dude. Yeah. If, yep. if Lafreniere yep. was the dude, like if Lafreniere was on Detroit, I think you'd you'd think a lot differently of Lafreniere's prospect status at this point in time. Uh, well, yeah, if he was getting all the power play time, yeah, absolutely. I mean, all, when you look at the five v five scoring stats, Lafreniere is up there with Stamkos and a lot of the other top picks. But it's because he doesn't get the power play time. His counting stats aren't nearly as impressive as they I should know. be. And but I, you know, and God I, forbid, I idiots Justin, on Twitter spend. Yeah. The, I know. Sorry. You hit the what? The Justin Bourne tweet was like, you know, Lafreniere, uh, 120 minutes of power play time. My dude, he comes on the ice with 22 seconds left. <laughs> Nothing gets yeah, set up. Uh, That's it. Yeah, that was – I didn't see that, but that sounds terrible. Uh, one thing I'll give Greg a lot of credit for here is uh, 
and and I know it was mainly just based on not that much, but Greg was big on the Moritz Sider bandwagon his draft year, and boy, has he looked good at the NHL level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a I'm a big smart boy. You see, I'm a. <laughs> I also I, Drew. I was a very early believer in seventh round pick Morgan Barron. I know. I, I know you were there too. You were honestly like other than like you know big prospect nerds who like me who study this crap all the time. Like you were the first not prospect pundit who really was sticking his head out saying like Morgan Barron's a thing. So yeah, definitely kudos to you there. Yeah, hey, no, he I'm just really fantastic in that last game. He looks like Superman. I don't know what. I don't know what to say. You know, I can see trades coming a mile away. I I know when prospects are great. And this is why I think the Mets need to trade Brett Beatty. He sucks. <laughs> I still can't believe you called the truth. You, you lost you lost me on that one. It's okay. uh, I, it, I, I got it for the Ryan laugh. It's That's just me. It's me and like six other Mets <laughs> fans that understand prospects. Most Mets fans, you shouldn't don't follow prospects. That's totally fine. You shouldn't. Um, All I know is my favorite thing about Mets, that about Greg's Mets fandom is he's one of the smart ones that, thinks the DH should apply to the NL. So Yeah, because I don't want to see like Robinson it. Cano play second base. And this is a completely <laughs> selfish thing. I know he's going to play. I don't want to fucking see it. We'll just make him the DH. I don't want it. I just, I'm so come happy on, what I are just we doing? He is going to play. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, anything else, Greg? We're we done here. Are we done already? We're not done. Drew just got here. Oh, I don't know. Drew, what do you want to talk about? What do you need? Tell me. What do you guys Wait, What do you want to talk about? Um, it, well, let's talk about the two kids. Might as well, right? We're here at Lafo and Kako. Uh, Lafo and Kako. Lafo and Kako. Whoa, hey, I kind of like that. Um, new shirt. Um, with with <laughs> with Lafreniere, uh, it, have you seen? I, I Kako for me at least has taken a big step this year. Not only in his offensive game, but uh, just getting getting moved up and down between the second and the first line and, and adjusting to other players. What have you seen from Lafreniere that's kind of encouraging? Because there are times where I, I I do find I don't think he's lackluster, but there are things like. His positioning on the ice, I get a little worried about, and uh, his playmaking, where like I, I'm like I expect some tremendous dazzling passes, and I'm sure a lot of people other do too. And sometimes they just don't happen. I know he's still developing, but what what have you seen the good? What have you seen the bad? Yeah, well, first let me start on a little rant about Kako. Um, I agree. Like I know when you spoke to Vince, Vince kind of made the comment that you know uh, how Kako's like you know he deserves to be on that top line because he's their best right wing, and that's all true. But I do think he's a poor match with Zabanajad and Kreider. Um, Kako is a good overall player, but he's a shooter more than a playmaker. Uh, Zabanajad and Kako, uh, Zabanajad and Kreider, both shooters or you know goal scorers at least. I don't know if you can call Kreider a shooter. Not a shooter. Um, the tip. They, yeah, they need more of a playmaker and a guy who will do the board work and all. Like, like, like a it, it sounds hilarious to say, but yeah, ex- well, right, well, <laughs> I'm not touching that one right now. Um, but it's Kako is just, he, he's doing fine, but he, he is a poor fit for those two. And I, I would like to see him back with Panarin and Strom just because Me I think too. those three skill sets fit really really well me too they just um, hate playing with them they don't they just don't like but drew drew while, while you're making this great point it's important that i come in here and say that Kreider, zabanajad kako has never looked better as a line than it has the last two games yeah i'm i'll be totally uh honest here um yeah, you got I, a kid. Uh, have a, I, get I got a kid, a full time job. I'm not staying up till two in the fucking morning. Hey, I got a full time job now too, Drew. I don't want to fucking hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you had plenty of rest saved up. Nah, I, I'm. It, it usually like it's. You know, I always get the 
because I'm an analytics person too, I get the occasional jackass that tells me to watch the games on the spreadsheet. I'm like, dude, yeah. I watch way more hockey than you do probably. That said, the past two games has just been me tweeting out those game score things, and that's been about it. And that'll be tonight too. Um, but yeah, that said, um, Kako, again, he, he's been fine on that top line, but it's just not an ideal fit for him. And I would like to see him ideally slot back with Stroman and Panarin. Um, Lafreniere, in terms of positives and negatives, uh, I definitely think he's still playing too conservatively. It's I understand that Gallant is a much better much better players coach in terms that he tells his players like you know I want you to take risks I'm not going to penalize you every time you make a mistake but it's pretty clear the way that Lafreniere is playing now compared to how he has it every other level in his career um, that he's playing conservatively he's almost playing to not make a mistake and you can see that in his like you said his, you reference his playmaking you, he's always taking the safe play whereas in the past he would always kind of be more patient be more creative and find the better play as opposed to the safe play that said he's still generating scoring chances really well I think he has really good offensive vision um, even when he's taking the safe play he's always at least finding he, Lafreniere is often finding passes lanes that like when you're just watching on tv you don't really see and all of a sudden he threads this pass and you go shit like i didn't even see that there but that was a nice pass um he's crashing the net well people are giving him shit for only scoring these empty net goals you know what he's constantly in position to score those though so yeah sure you can crack your jokes about him getting these empty netters but he's still the only one on the team and of either team that's actually putting himself in the position to to be there to intercept that pass to score the goal um so he's doing a lot of the little things right defensively you made the point about his positioning and I do agree that sometimes he tends to chase the play a little too much and kind of lose his positioning Um, and and especially you'll see sometimes that he'll kind of float over towards the side where the puck is and that'll cause like the passing lanes to open up more on his side so when the puck then makes its way back to his side of the ice it's much more open for a quicker pass than a a scoring chance so I would like to see him you know continue and, and that comes with time you know I'm not worried or anything but there's certainly areas for improvement but above all Lafreniere is someone who I think he needs to continue to just build his confidence. I think he's starting to play better, especially of late. I am not worried at all. I think he is definitely going to be a bona fide top line winger for his NHL career. Um, But I I do see a player that still needs a little bit more confidence, a little bit more reassurance that it's okay to – go back to your creative self, make a couple mistakes because we want that high end skill that we know you possess. I just know, I know he doesn't uh, want to play right wing. I know it. I get it, but I just, I would like to see him in the Kako spot right now. I think he actually can play, make and create for a lot for, and for Kreider and for Mika's been a Jed. He's, he's the, the creative player they need to, to make things yeah. happen. Kako is not that player. Kako is great with Stroman Panarin. He could, he could do the dirty yeah. work. He could play a two man game with Strom while, People get drawn to Panarin. That's a, that's and he the can crash the net. Yes. Yeah. 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 Kreider that's the thing the too. Kako's Kako's really fucking good in front of the net. I don't think he gets nearly enough credit Dude. for how good he is at crashing the net and cleaning up down there. I think you almost like a Gabriel this, right? Landeskog. Honestly, I, I hate when um, Kreider well, and Kako play together. I hate it. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, because they both play in the same area. And I made this point in our Discord. I made this point in our Discord channel too. And definitely shout out to the Discord hey. channel, the Insiders channel, and oh, everyone nice. that supports. Um, but I remember some folks were were bringing up, "Hey, Pavelski for the top line." And the problem is, is he occupies the same areas of the ice as Kreider. Pavelski and Kreider are the two best players in the NHL the last ten years at getting in front of the net and, t- and getting tipped goal scored. 
that's a skill. It's not some luck thing. And you, they don't make sense in the same line. And so that's something that I don't think it's spoken enough. And Kako is in the same vein. He's fantastic in front of the net. And it's like you said, it, it is a bit redundant to have him and Kreider on the same line, whereas he's perfect with Panarin and Stroh. Thank you, Drew. Thank you. Well, we're saying we're saying the word redundant, and we're saying it in a way where a redundancy could help make the Rangers lineup better by separating it. But I got to ask a question about a redundancy that I think putting together makes the Rangers lineup better. And it's this mindset that Zach Jones and Niels Lundqvist I, not only yep. can't play together, but that they're the same player. And I just, not the same player, but at least do very similar things. And I just don't, I, I, I can't push back on that enough. It just seems ridiculous to me. No, um, I'm going to, you'll get a kick out of this one. Um, the, the people that it's funny, the people that generally make that point are the same, like the Venn diagram of people that will make that point And the people that will bark at an analytics person to watch the game is a circle. And the most hilarious thing is, is if you actually fucking watch Niels Lundqvist and Zach Jones play, they aren't redundant at all in their skill sets. The Drew, the way Drew, they play. I'm not even saying this about Twitter users. It's Gerard Gallant saying they're redundant. Yeah, well, it's again Gerard Gallant or Gallant. Is that are we it's, really talking about it? It's French. It's French. It's French. Greg broke that story. What it is. I'm just saying. French makes fuck face. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's again uh, Gallant. Again, I don't want to come across like I'm shitting on Gallant. Like he is obviously a fantastic coach. And what can't be stated enough is how important it is to have a guy like him that instills confidence in his team way more. I, I think on, on Twitter and stuff like that, we get too into the weeds on the line combos and the line of decisions and stuff like that. As an NHL coach, just as important as any of that is just managing the room and the personalities and giving your guys confidence. I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. And you see it over and over again. And Gallant is the best in the NHL in terms of being a player's coach and, and instilling that confidence and, and, you know, empowering your guys to play their game. But that said, he's still a hockey man, and he still is going to lean back on the the lazy old tropes that have been proven to be false about, well, you, you can't have two smallish skilled defensemen on the same line. You need the stay-at-home guy, and you need the offensive guy. No, that, that's crap. Um, at the very least, you know what? At least try it and prove to us that you're right. Like, What is the harm in trying it? We banked all these points. At the very least, you know – this is the time to try new things. And if it works, great. You now have additional lineup flexibility. And if it doesn't work, then you know what? You can sit up there at a press conference and say, hey, all you Twitter assholes, all you Twitter betas, is that one jackass <laughs> like to call everyone? Sorry, Fuck you, I was right. <laughs> all right, I think we're actually done with you now, Drew. Greg, any other questions? <laughs> no, I just wa- I wanted to make sure we brought up the Jones-Lundquist point because I, 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 I'm i with Drew. I, I, I think it's I've tried to say to this as much try. as possible. It, it's... Gallant, or whatever his name is, um, he is <laughs> oh, he God. is better enough than what David Quinn is. Where I don't want to ever come off as someone that's saying I want David Quinn back. But my whole point about courting this guy was that at the end of the day, he was still going to be a hockey dude, and hockey dudes are going to do dumb things, dumb things that are so dumb a dummy like me can call them dumb. And I think playing Nemeth and Tenorti over Jones and Lundquist is just cookie cutter dumb i don't yeah and, th- it, this is the only sport where something like this would happen in my mind call my and at the very call. least call there, there there's no downside at least giving it a shot there is no justification anyone could say for why it's not at least worth throwing it out there for a game or two and see what happens here's my question my actual final question drew how long until mm-hmm. we see snyder on this roster because i think it happens this season 
I mean, it's hard to say because obviously a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, the lineup and, and co Right. But I'd say I don't think he's ready yet. Um, he's physically ready, but I have watched a few Hartford games. I mean, he's doing well, but I, I do think he's someone that can, you know, the Hart Hartford's a pretty good team. And it's not a it's a very good situation right now to have guys down there and allow them to develop and cook and all that. Um I think maybe we could see him for a cup of coffee at the end of the year to kind of like see what we got in him. But I don't think he's necessarily like, you know, all caps, bold, underline, ready, and like, you know, really knocking on the door right now. Uh, ideally, I would say next next preseason, he would have a legitimate shot of making the roster out of, you know, out of camp. I think he's going to have a shot to make a legit run at sticking on the team later in the season. I'm kind of yeah. Again, if it obviously if we make a trade or two, if like you know one of the defensemen gets traded or something like that, right. um, but I just in terms of what I've seen and stuff like that, yeah, he's a good player, and I would not object to him coming up now. But I'm not like, oh my god, he's totally ready. What are we doing? You know, wasting him down in Hartford. I, I think he's very much still benefiting from developing in Hartford right now. Awesome. Is there anybody you think that is being wasted down in Hartford and should be coming up right now? And is his name Morgan? Um, well, yeah, I mean, Morgan Barron's the obvious one. Um, Laurie Pajuniemi is someone who I think um, has deserved a shot. And he, he's, you know, old enough and physically mature enough where I'd like to see what he could do at the NHL level. Um, you know, Matthew Robertson, someone too, where again, everyone clamors for Brandon Schneider because he was the high draft pick. He was the guy we traded up for. Now, Matthew Robertson is big physically mature dude who's a year older and has a year more experience that like I think he's just as deserving as Schneider in terms of current ability you know Schneider definitely has more upside and is the better prospect but you know Robertson's another person where I wouldn't hate to see him get a cup of coffee towards the end of the year just to kind of see where he's at right now all right Drew I love you we're going all right <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at O'Reilly you can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break to follow Drew at Drew's underscore away uh, I'm going to thank all the Patreon people. We'll be back later this week. This show obviously came out before the Kings game. We'll be back Friday afternoon because we want to be able to record after San Jose and actually give you an update. That'll be on BSBOT. We love you guys. Bye. Hey, all right. Podcast is over. I do want to thank our NHL Insiders Club members who I butcher their names every single week at the end of this podcast constantly. It's It haunts me in my dreams. I know you think I don't think about it, but I do. Anyway, if you want to become part of our NHL Insiders Club or any of our Discord supporting tiers, you can go to our Patreon. Check out what we have to offer, BSBOTs, all that good stuff, etc. As for now, I want to thank these special members who are part of the club. Part of the Insider Club, rather. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cartulo, Adam Keech. Cheech, I always mess that one up. Alex Carter, Amber Coensberger, Austin Beetleman, Barbie Chris, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Biggs Malone, Brian Doyle, Broadway, Blue Shirt, Bleeder, Chris Finelli, CJ Stellwagen, Daniel Dazden, David Narodin, Dennis Dice, Darian. Hey, Darian, what's up? I know who you are. What's going on? Eric Stagg, give Gardner a cup, give uh, Gretzky, Gareth McFly, Handle, Harrison Hasco, Hip Hop Horror 89, Jake Berkowitz. Jerry Marquez, JD, Jimmy Mack, Je John Hardesty, Justin Friedman, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg, Lazy Kronkowski, Louis Giordano, Louis, sorry, Lou Giordano, sorry, Lou, Lucas K, Matthew Kind, The Legend, Max Nielsen, Pascal Perrier, welcome, Pavel Kodrev, uh, Randy, Randy Tess, uh, Randy Tesser, why am I messing up Randy's name? I've like hung out with Randy multiple times, great dude. Stephen Lemire, Stig Bach, who had the sweetest in uh, outdoor pool uh, pond i've ever seen swingard the drop bk the eric carlson 
Tommy Sinclair, Tom Ertz Jr., the legend and multiple-time guest on this podcast, Tommy O'Neill, who's been around for the beginning, tour from Manhattan, who's our first supporter ever. And then, of course, Upstate Vin, Vinny Bracco, Vinny Hay, and Will Spector. Cannot thank you all enough for being part of this little fun community we have. Uh, listen, going to be a fun week. Story that is not being talked about enough, but I've seen the jokes on Twitter. Chris Knobloch back as Rangers coach this Saturday night. Rangers Flyers. Last year, Rangers win. Nine goals. We want ten. We want ten. I might actually be in the building for that game. Might wear something fun, too. Stay tuned. Anyway, love you guys. We'll be back uh, for BSB OT this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Send feedback. Let us know how you liked it in the, in the Discord channel. BSB episode discussion. We always want to hear from you. We always like to hear what, you, what you're thinking. Call us idiots. Call us dummies. Say weird things. We're all about that. Freedom of speech, everybody. We'll be back next week. Love you. Bye.